The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. That's exactly what intentional spirits do in the midst of any obstacle or adversarial energy. We become more dynamic. We become more stepping into that inner place of grace and essence and empowerment. And that's exactly what we do. We focus on modeling that wonderful creative energy of possibility to our children so that when they look into our eyes, they see hope, they see knowing, and they see moving forward with a, with a life that is even yet to come. This life is the most precious gift. And wherever we are in externals, whether we're facing a pandemic or we're facing um, a life challenge at this particular time or the loss of a loved one or a divorce or changes in career or whatever, there's something grounded within the need of someone to remain intentional. And that is what has brought great leaders to the forefront. It's what brings great authors out of the closet, just like our great guest today. And I'm, I'm thrilled because this particular guest, Anthony Manna, Dr. Manna, has an amazing impact with children and with parents. And he is just, well, he's just a ton of fun. <laughs> I just met him and, and just thinking about it makes me laugh. So so there you go. So you're in for a treat. And thank you, Anthony, for being on our show today. I couldn't wait to talk to you. And um, I, man, I, I just imagine everybody around you is uh, you just keep people laughing, don't you? <laughs> I try. Reverend Temple, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Um, the sun, as soon as we started talking, I'm in uh in Northeast Ohio, and the sun came out with your voice speaking to me. So there's a certain power going on here that I appreciate. Thank you. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Well, we've our souls have probably been calling each other to meet for quite some time. That's usually the way it works. It's that underworking, isn't it? And when we oh, are yeah. intentional, like you are, and, and like I am, in that we we say yes. Uh, we we seize the we seize the moment. Um, I I can just tell by looking in your eyes at your website, and everybody else can join me at anthonymanabooks.com. 
that you've had, um, you could tell a lot of stories about your life. And I know that you are a tremendous storyteller and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about your book, but how did your path shape you to, to where you are now? I mean, I'm a full believer in that we're born, but then we get birth like so many times, you know, if we'll let it happen. And how did you get shape shifted into doing the work that you do and making such an impact that you make? Well, that, that's, that's what a great question. I mean, I, I start, I think, um, you know, I think the most important thing would be to talk about this wonderful family that nurtured me. I grew up, I'm the youngest one. Um, and there were six of us and they, my sisters and my brother nurtured me very, very much. My mother was so occupied with taking care of us that, yes, I could rely on her. She came from an Italian, a, a village in Italy, a, a farm girl. And, um, she struggled with English. She struggled with life, but she always had a positive attitude and she loved her children. And so there I had my sisters, my brother, my mother, my father. And so, and, and then, um, I, I, I took that with me into the Catholic schools and I, I, I liked, I liked being nurtured by them too, because they, they gave me messages about how to keep my life together and how to survive, basically. Um, and, and they were there. There were lessons. There were always lessons being taught to me, you know. And eventually, what happened was, uh, to be very honest, was I wound up um, in in a Catholic seminary studying for the priesthood. Left the seminary and went into a monastery. Uh, and I did that for about five years, and oh my, was that ever the place I needed to be? Mm -hmm. I because they it was the the especially the monastery because it was a farm, and I just felt like it was it was like the rhythm, the rhythm that I needed to be. I'm going to use the word intentional, and uh, it gave me such hope uh, to be working in community. And I'll never forget that, you know, I mean, it could have been the army, it could have been the Navy, et cetera, but it just happened to be this, this, uh, spiritual place. And, uh, and the thing that I remember too, is just waking up at some God awful hour in the morning to chant Gregorian chant without, and, and, you know, without speaking, of course, because we had grand silence as they called it. And that meant that we were silent a lot of the time and it was, a nurturing that I that set me off. I know it did, and it um, it gave me um, it gave me the spirit I needed to know that in a way that I was going to survive all this. You know, the slings and arrows of misfortune, as well as all the very very good things that would happen in my life. It, it set me up to know to endure, to be resilient, and um, and that's that's part of my story. <laughs> And it, of it, you know of, of uh, you know where I where I've come from, um, and the other thing that happened um, in the monastery and the seminary was they learned they taught me how to um, how to teach myself. They taught me how to read. I was not a very good reader growing up. Uh, we had too many other things to worry about, and um, I I started learning, and I, I thought, oh, this is what it's all about. <laughs> 
And um, I, I, was, I, thought, I was captivated by the fact that my brain was active and that I was learning things and I was, I was retaining. And um, I, I just I, I started growing um, intellectually as well as spiritually when I was in that priesthood for those five years. Well, it's very interesting. Um, in the in another layer, um, there I have had the privilege um, of working with Celtic shamanism for for many years. And um, what I'm what I'm hearing underneath the story of your story is that you are such an impactful teacher with books and games and activities impacting children and families and parents and adult learners, you know, the, all, the whole thing. And what's really interesting about the teacher archetype. And I really needed to learn this because, um, in the early days when you're out there in the world and you're a teacher, you know, it's like if only four people show up for your first class, you start questioning if you, you know, have any value or not, you know, and there's a, a, but there's a thing in Celtic shamanism that the teacher that has a shadow that's not coming from the healthy teacher is about control and forcing and self-righteousness and arrogance and those kind of things. But the teacher that's healthy knows that everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen that everything is right on time, that the right people are always there. And guess what the medicine is? The medicine is silence. So what's profound about your life is that in a monastery, you definitely learn to embrace and silence is as important as food. And so here it's pretty magical, your life, when you think about it that way, because children naturally crave silence and then they're bombarded and taught noise. And so they have to adjust to noise. Am I right? I mean, I'm with my four year old little goddaughter. It's like, I need to pre warn her noise is coming because she's like, what's that noise? What's that noise? And what's that noise? And what's that noise? And that's the way that I feel Anthony in current time, no matter what your age is, that that ought to be your response even today. Well, what's that noise? What's that noise I'm putting in my mind? What's that noise I'm putting in my head? What's that news noise that I'm putting in my energy? But after a while, after a while, unless someone's been grounded like you have and had that early exposure of cultivating resilience, they come become that they're not comfortable without noise. I don't, I just got off on that tangent that doesn't go with the questions or anything I was supposed to ask you, but I just thought you would find yep. that extremely interesting. And I was just having this aha moment about that because that's what we're doing in our society, isn't it? Noise, 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 noise. And All when you time. tell yeah, most and I, and adults, think, yeah. Yeah. You know, I love the way I love the way you're phrasing that, because I think children, um, you know, you know, one thing I wanted to say, it, it just comes up right now in my mind from what you're just telling me is that the, the the Greek cultural belief in the power of story 
comes from the word paramithi. And paramithi in Greek means to advise and comfort and console. And I think that that's sometimes the joy of not only being the writer for children, but being with children with story. Give, you know, it's, it's, it really, when you think about it, it's really a very silent time. The, there's a voice there, and the voice is the story speaking. And so it's, they're, being, the, the, they're, they're opening doors and windows and portals, and they're also looking into mirrors because sometimes that's what they discover. But it's, it's a very contemplative time, and I, I, see, it all, I see it all the time. Um, and uh, in the silence, you know, I'll go into a seventh-grade classroom, and they have just come in from the hallway, and they're pushing each other and laughing hysterically, and da 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 da. da. And as soon as, as soon as the lights go down low, as it were, and the curtain opens, and I start saying, "Lucas and the Game of Chance" takes place on an Aegean island, and they are very poor folks. And it's just like, you know, and it's that time. It's that time of comfort. It's that time of solace. It's something, something is going on here that, that's leading us to, to contemplate. Mm. That is so powerful. And this just became like your your quest, you just knew that your work was to, well, not only be a storyteller, which is a a tremendous gift and a tremendous joy to accept that that's a role in life. Um, But did you have a particular, you know, defining moment other than people wanting kind of some similarities to the life that you had known? I think what what happened was I, I fell into teaching. I I was uh, an aide, a teacher's aide, in the first summer of Head Start. And I was in New Jersey, and it was a very uh, – these, these people that sent their children to Head Start, there, there was a lot of poverty. And I – I watched this teacher nurture these kids, and I watched her take on this responsibility. And I looked at—I just looked at it, and I thought, I think I want to do this. I—I I, don't—I don't know how. How do you learn how to do this? You know, and that—that um, that started it all. That was like an epiphany for me um, to begin to understand that if I did do this, I did not, I, if I did go into teaching, I wanted to be able to be that kind of person who nurtures, um, but from a very sincere place. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, be artificial about it. I want to be sure that what I'm doing is, is showing students whatever, and I didn't know, I had no idea then that that was going to be on the university level. I was, I was working in, you know, preschool and elementary, et cetera, that I wanted them to, I wanted to be able to show them their worth 
their worthiness and and one level in their own spirituality that could mm-hmm. I possibly do that well of course what I what I thought I would do was to try to do that with literature because it seems to me that literature is its own way of being able to nurture those kinds of uh, entities in our life in our life you know so I I promised myself you know and I carried on trying to learn how to be a teacher how to be a good teacher it was it was it was very demanding um and and uh I kept at it I kept I kept uh, looking at different ways of structuring it of of saying it of speaking it um of of learning how to jump on a desk and act it out until they looked at me like he's crazy and I thought yes yes that's right I am a little crazy but oh Listen, listen to what I'm going to say here. I'm on top of this desk. I'm going to tell you about Shakespeare, you know, and that type of thing. So, I mean, I, I went in and out of I went in and out of these situations, you know. And I thought, all right, now I'm going to I, I'm going to use some of the drama that I know that I feel comfortable with, and I I do, you know, I just do. I, I was born with that spirit of of you know of acting it out. And uh, and actually started teaching theater courses, um, uh, especially at the university. But I, I I wanted to use drama as a way, a medium for learning. And um, and that became kind of like my brand um, in my teaching. Um, you know, and and it, and I liked it because if you think about theater, you think that. You're always a little – all right, so the lights are low, and you're in this room, and you're always a little bit shocked because so much is being discovered. And especially if it's a good play, you kind of walk away thinking, what just happened? That was really something. I, What was that? Let me let me call somebody and talk about it. You know, so – and that's, that's kind of what I wanted my students to do, you know. And so that little epiphany – in that in that school in Orange, New Jersey, uh, led me down the road to try to understand what it, what it means to teach, um, and I and I didn't you know I never stopped. It's, it's so powerful. Um, many years ago, I had a self discovery learning center on the east coast of Florida, and I was in my early days of ministry, and there was a jazz teacher that came had taught children and um anyway they according to the people that sent him he was highly credentialed and stuff like that he had a very thick resume and i i said to him because he was wanting to talk about the resume i said well the first question i need to ask you is why are you interested in teaching children or why do you, you know, want to teach children? And he said, in my entire career, nobody's ever asked me that. And I said, well, <laughs> to me, that would be the most important question for someone to ask you. And that what what impresses me and not that I need to be impressed by you. I didn't mean it to sound like that. But <laughs> in looking at your website, anthonymanabooks.com, I love that you have letters from your students on your website that says so much about who you are and that you are always real clear in your value. 
of that you are here to be a teacher and a um, a model storyteller for the kids. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that. I've never seen that before. I've interviewed a lot of people that talk about their love for kids and those kind of things. And I'm sure they, they feel that way, but you show it uh, by sharing their letters and their hearts. That's just really powerful. They call you Professor Grandpa Tonio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Professor Grandpa Tonio would be the more they like That's it, right? <laughs> Now you picked up on that. That's my alter ego, you know. <laughs> I'm hearing you. I'm tuned into you. I really am. Um, you you developed early on this way of of going through resilience, and you you probably use this. But one of the things I've used for years is, um, you know, you put your whole self in, you pull your whole self out, you mm. put your whole self in, and you turn yourself around. And I always like to highlight that life asks you to put your whole self in first. It doesn't say, now wait until you get yourself turned around. Um, and that's your approach with cultivating resilience, is it not? You're, you're talking about how you can have that courage to move you through struggles and persevere and and survive i mean that's the process oh. that you you prepare kids and parents who have kids to walk through correct oh i mean that's the key you know because i think that um you know i all right you know i could say you know that first of all uh when i'm with kids let's say in my role as a storyteller or a, a, an author, a writer, you know, I I certainly want to, you know, to entertain them. I mean, the, st the, the story is there for entertainment. I want them to, you know, to get excited about that, to, to, to stay with, to stay with the characters, to learn something. But, but I also want them to look at, to, no to start noticing life's struggles and mysteries. And uh, there will be hard times. There will be loss. There will be separation. But courage and perseverance, and 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 lately for me too, mindfulness can open the way to hope and recovery. You know, and and I, it's you know, I'm saying it now. It's almost like an intellectual exercise. But the kinds of things that I've had to go through in my life, um, early early on, 19 years old, my my very good friend in the uh, seminary went into the hospital for. Uh, what they thought was appendicitis, and they gave him a shot of sodium pentothal, and he died on the table. Mm. And that just blew me away, you know. And so I thought, now, oh, gosh, you know, was this supposed to happen? Well, I was in that trusting environment, you know what I mean? And that trusting environment was all about this is going to happen. This is This sometimes happens. So what do we do? Well, in those days, it was a lot of prayer, you know, because I was very much into Christian praying and Christian prayer, and uh, and 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 it was, you know, it was it was getting me through, you know. So, but there are other ways of doing that, of course. But at that time, that's that's what got me through. So, what what can get kids through? I think if they if they're if they're given, you know, good art, good music, good this, good that, to see the world around them and have it illuminated in some fashion, then I think they'll begin to see 
you know what it's all about in terms of um the you know the the hope and the recovery but also the hardships that we all have to face Mm-hmm. I like the being aware of the noise, but you know that that's so significant with so many of us. Our years of art, our sports, in some cases, those are lessons and responses that we tend to use in our proactivity all of our lives. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm thinking now. My my grandson, my oldest grandson, is 17, and he decided one day uh, to drop out of school. Um, and he, I, I was I was shocked, you know, because here I am, this, <laughs> yeah, you know, this professor, <laughs> that would have been hard for yeah, you. Here I am. <laughs> you know, and he, they're out in Arizona, and I, I I couldn't get out there right now, but I I just thought, have you lost your mind? What what what's going on? I don't understand, you know. And there were a lot of reasons why, uh, and some of it was social anxiety. So he's he's um, he's a mystery to me right now, and I and I I feel I feel tongue tied. I I don't quite know what to say. I I keep asking about him, and he's doing virtual learning, you know, through um, through the computer, and. Um, and I, I, I hope, you know, but see, then then what I have to do is rather than lament, because that's such an easy place to go for this, this young man, uh, as my mother would say, your blood, he's your blood. And <laughs> she would say that in Italian. It sounds ridiculous now, but I mean, I understand what she's getting at. He's that line, you know, and I, I just, I, I don't want to lament it, though, because I think that... Um, you know, to learn to learn as I'm learning from mindfulness, and to learn as I'm learning from I've been studying uh, Buddhism of late, is that you he's he's where he needs to be right now. He's living his days out, and they're positive. He's not harming anyone. He's probably looking into himself. You see what I mean? So I can turn that around, you know, and make it something so utterly positive. You know, it's like um, it's like it's like knowing that this very moment that I'm having with you, Reverend Temple, is exactly where we're always meant to be. Mm -hmm. And and that's the gift. Mm -hmm. It's the gift, isn't it, that when we can see ourselves from what we think is supposed to be and. And that, yeah, I, and, and, and beautiful for you that as strong of a core as you have in education, that you could validate him. Talking to Anthony Mana, you can go to anthonymanabooks.com. We'll be right back after this short break, and we just love all of you tuning in and sharing our show. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Intentional Spirit 
with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. You can always visit me at templehayes.com or firstunity.org, the spiritual community in which I have the pleasure of serving. And we have a new institute, a university online. Yes, we do. That empowers people as lifelong learners and also people that want to be credentialed. And that's illy.org. That's I-L-L-L-I.org, the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. Well, talking about lifelong learning, we are getting uh, blessed today by a great messenger, Anthony Manna, Dr. Anthony Manna. You can go to his website, Anthony Manna, M-A-N-N-A Books. Com. And we have been uh, talking about throughout the show um, the, the gems and wisdom that he has in his book, Lucas and the Game of Chance. And Anthony, um, you really are, and how timely of, of the energy of this book and how timely of uh, your message when we look at the second leading cause of death in young people being suicide. So you've, you've got your work ahead of you, uh, young man, <laughs> you know, um, and I never thought I would say that out loud. And I don't imagine you ever imagined that you would hear it spoken out loud, that that would be the second leading cause of death with ages 10 to 34. That's like shocking, isn't it? Oh, awfully shock, terribly shocking. Where How could we... How could we lose these people? How come? How did they get out of our our? How did they get out of our our venue? Or to, to be able to 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 imagine that they could take their life when life is such a precious precious thing to hold on to to nurture through all the difficulty, uh, through through all the blessings, through all the joys, through all the challenges. You know that um, we, we need each other. We're all in this together. We need each other. And so to see someone slipping away is so frightening to me. Um, so frightening. And and where where does their resilience go? Or I mean, obviously we're speculating and I haven't spoken to anybody from the afterlife, but just with what you do and how you focus on cultivating resilience uh for the parent that's listening now for the for the grandparent uh, and there's so many that are raising their their children now what what are some of the tools what can we do to cultivate more of that resilience hmm, so important i i i think i think the a lot of it has to do with belonging and connecting mm-hmm. and and learn and learning how to reach out um you know and and uh you know just sometimes just calling uh just calling and just and just maybe talking about what you're feeling you know and and to someone that really cares you know um and just residing in just residing in the fact that you are a precious and worthwhile and that you could, you can have all of the, all of the skills you need and all of the talents you need to make it through. 
Um, you know, and I think that that's, to me, so much of what I've endured in my lifetime, uh, even in the darkest moments, that I I knew that there were people there, you know. And, and one of the other things, of course, is because of my work in the classroom, I mean, you know, I was beholden, you know, and I, I needed to reach out uh, to these many, many students over many, many years on every single level. I mean, going from kindergarten, preschool, uh, a, a, a kindergarten in Greece, uh, up to, you know, students who were working on their doctorate, um, you know, and it was always the same thing, you know, that, uh, you know, is, is something wrong today, I would say, you know, to see a student in front of me, especially sometimes with the undergraduates, because it's such a difficult time, you know, leaving home, coming there, and I would I would see something, and I would just say, is there something wrong? Do you need to talk to me? You know, and I thought, boy, that was really, that was really a bold thing to ask somebody. <laughs> but I thought, well, why not? You know, why not? You know, and then, and sometimes they really would take me up on it, and they would come and talk to me. And and I had I'll never forget the uh, the one student who was was really kind of blue a lot and she came in and she, to, to me she said I want I need to talk to you and she had um this is very dramatic and I don't mean to hurt people by saying this but she she was at a, a party where they were getting very drunk um, and she uh, jumped off a balcony and uh, and she she said I don't really know whether I jumped or I was pushed or whatever but I I'm now I'm now mechanical. And I said, what do you mean? She said, they had to put me all back together again. And that's why I walk the way I walk. And you'll see me, you know, shaking a lot, et cetera. And, and I, I, so we, so she came to see me several times and we talked about it. I said, just tell me what, what it's like, you know? And then eventually um, she, she came to my office with her family and and they they said this is great thank you so much for and I said no 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 she helped me <laughs> because because I needed to hear her talk to me about how she made it through and I was startled by her courage and now what she's doing is she goes to schools she goes to high schools and she and she shows them illustrates to them the reasons why they have to hold on to their dignity and and their resilience, because that's what she's done. And I don't know where she came from in our conversation, Reverend Temple, but she was she's always there in my I know she's there waiting for me because she taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's that's a lot of uh, I think the courage the courage and her carrying on and, and her willingness to go out there in her state because she's quite handicapped, uh, as it were, challenged and she she, she goes out there. You know, and uh, that's a pretty good example, I think, of a person who chose, who could have very easily taken her own life because she was so battered. Um, But she she got up. She took a breath. She got up. And uh, because of her her loving family, uh, especially, she she carried on. And I, I mean, and I see that. Uh, with my character, with Lucas in my story. I mean, he's been through quite a lot, <laughs> you know, and um, he he taught me that he could make it. And you, you use a lot of Greek folk um, tales in your book. And what is it about the Greek folk tales that 
you know, creates such a sense of resilience? What a great question. I I should just back up a little bit. I I um, when I was when I was still at Kent State University in Ohio, there was an exchange program, and what that meant was uh, you applied to go to Greece. It was the Greek exchange program. You you applied to go to Greece, and you applied to go there to teach and to research and do whatever a professor is supposed to do. And um, to make a long story really short, I wound up in the city of Thessaloniki, which is on the uh, Bulgarian. It's up way up north, on uh, right, very close to Bulgaria, and it's an ancient city. It was it was uh, established, I think it was 33 BC. Um, and I, I I I fell in love with the world there, and I found myself in a kindergarten classroom because I knew that if I went to school, I would learn about the children, their families. I would learn about. Uh, Greek Orthodoxy, I would learn about the secular holiday, you know, because it was going to be a school year. And the kids were, um, they had story hour, uh, and they would, and I could hear, as my Greek, as I was beginning to hear Greek, I could hear the stories, uh, you know, they were reading stories of Greek mythology, you know, Zeus and um, Hector, and, you know, all these characters kept coming up, and I, I, I was very familiar. But then all of a sudden, I started hearing about uh, wild beasts and sibling rivalry and and nasty nasty parents and good parents and um, you know um, journeys that take people far far away until they lose themselves only to come back and try to regain themselves and I and I said to my Greek colleague who was in the same room doing research I said Asula what is what's going on here and she said these are these are our folk tales and fairy tales and I said ooh that began the project. And so as I started studying them, I went into the traditions and I just started reading as best I could. I was even starting to translate from the Greek to the English, you know, and we would go out and look for stories that I said, you know what, we need, I want to translate some of these. I want to reshape them. I want to re reformulate them. I want to retell them. I want to bring them into the English-speaking world because I know for a fact that I've been teaching children's literature at the university and we hardly have these Greek stories. So what drew me to them so much is the sincerity of, once again, of the struggles that we go through, what we must do to face those struggles, and how we can carry on how we can carry on. Now, people often know fairy tales and folk tales to have happy endings. They do, yes they do, but it's a happiness that's one. And number two, it's a happiness that these characters have to settle into. It's not like la 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 la, you know what I mean? It's not like everything's rosy. You know, it's more like, all right, we did it, we got here, now what do we do? And it's um it's been an amazing journey for me because I have learned so much about Greek culture through these stories. And the other thing about it was I, I, I was collaborating with my Greek colleagues. And so here I was learning Greek culture from, you know, right, right at the same computer because we're, we're, you know, we're reshaping these stories and what a great joy, you know, and it was all about um, endurance, 
life and living, um, sacrifice, uh, learning how to be oneself, learning to compromise. And it just, it was just like, I was right back again into the fundamentals. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't, I just can't get away from them. <laughs> even, in, even in my old age, I'm, I'm still learning the fundamentals, <laughs> you know, and, and it's a blessing because it keeps reminding me of what it means to be alive. Mm, that's really powerful. Uh, is 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 very powerful. I as as you were as you were talking earlier, I, I I guess we're talking in some ways just like your the the young woman you refer to. She she then became archetypal, you know, right? Uh, I I think yeah. about um, a woman uh, here who was a major in the military, uh, a curriculum writer, um, you know many accomplishments and, you know, and, and just a, a great human being. Um, and she was given the wrong medication in the VA oh. hospital. And when I went to see her, Anthony, other than blinking her eyes, she could move one knuckle that could oh. be seen. And I, I hovered somewhat over her and I said, I said to her, because, you know, you just you just go with what you're guided to say. And I said, are you ready to get out of here? <laughs> and I said, if you want to get out of here, blink your eyes. And she did. And yeah. she has learned how to do everything. Everything all over again. Oh and now she rides horses and she's a student in our institute, uh, becoming a minister and uh, she's on our board uh, of trustees here. And that's a great archetypal thing that there's such strength when, you know, you catch yourself saying, well, this and that, and this and that. You know, you think of someone like your friend or I think of someone like my friend and I go, well, you know, if they can do what they've done and still be, quote unquote, handicapped, um, then that level of resiliency is is so there for everyone. For everyone. Oh, so powerful. That's so <laughs> powerful. You know, and and that's uh, that's see that's what I that that's the segue right back to children because I think that's what that you know that's what oh they could learn I'm sure they can I I'm I'm talking about my own perspective which is mostly the the literary arts you know and and I think that. They can learn so much about resiliency, and they can learn so much about the courage, you know, because stories, poems, plays, whatever, they're, they're windows and they're mirrors. And, uh, they, you know, they, 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 come, they come up. They come up into community when they're reading and writing and listening to stories being told. And... Um, and and I I think that you know they're they're not always able to articulate it, but that's what they're we're there for, you know that's what I'm there for, is to is to say well, well let me tell you about this character Lucas and what he and what he told me, and and as I was as I was getting to know him, you know and what he told me about his 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 um disappointment in in that in in the in you know that he the, the mistakes the mistakes that he made at that card game 
uh, the game of chance, which is the title, right? And it set him off, and it set up his epiphany. He he needed that to go out there. He needed that, and and where does he go? He goes to some some. He has to go through the dark night of the soul into that enchanted forest where he's being accosted by people who are so needy, and they they all want him to 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 um, intervene for them. And where is he going? He's going to meet Destiny and her son, the sun, and her daughter, the moon. And he's going to beg them, please, how can I rectify my life? How can I get it back? I lost my family. I lost my fortune and I lost my family. What can I do to gain it back? And and they, you know, and he, he learns what he has to do um, from them. And he learns forgiveness and that he's okay. He's okay. We all make mistakes sooner or later. We all fail sometimes. We experience tough times, but we can all find the courage to face our struggles, to persevere, survive, and turn our life around. And that's the gist of that story for kids. Wow. I loved, I loved Destiny. I just thought, oh boy, let's be friends. <laughs> I have some, I have some things I need to tell you. <laughs> and I know. Of yours. I know. Isn't it? It wonder. That's part of. That's a probably another part of resilience is that things are happening for so many more reasons than we're ever aware of. And um, that's what I teach my ministerial students. You know, don't just respond or take things to at face value. You know, use spiritual seeing and spiritual hearing, which is very different from human seeing and human hearing. More often, there's so much more than even what we know. You know, like you and I, we came together to do radio <laughs> and we came together right. to talk about your phenomenal book. Of course, that's those elements of it. But the deeper part is is a soul recognizing another soul saying, wow, how the heck have you been? You know, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> lupus and the game of chance. But let's also talk about with um, seven and a half billion people that life has brought us together right now. And how cool is that? You know, I just want to yeah. laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I know. I know. I know what you mean. To, yeah, it's like I don't it's, say that to all my guests. Oh, I'm so glad you're on the call. I just want to laugh. <laughs> no, but with your <laughs> energy and your website and obviously what you represent. And I, I'm sure this is true that the reason that children are so drawn to you and that parents are drawn to you is because you're comfortable I believe it's because you're comfortable with every age that you are. And and to me, that has always been my goal in life is to be comfortable with every age that I have been and every age that I will be. A, a very separate topic from being old and things that people make up, you know, and, and the way you're duped <laughs> to, to buy drugs or pharmaceutical or, you know, whatever. But I'm talking about just the energetic self 
is really ageless. And I hear people, uh, educators and, and ministers, you know, and leaders say, well, I, I just can't get young people to relate to me. It's like, well, because you don't relate to the young part of yourself, you know, that's a wow. big part of, of that connection. If you relate to it, then, then therefore, you know, that's what it's all about. You're resonating with the teenager, you know, um, those kind of things. Anyway, we, we have to do another show. One isn't long <laughs> enough. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, it's been wonderful. I mean, I just, I just feel like, um, you know, it's, it's so nice to share. And I, and I, I, I really adore the concept of, or you're saying that, you know, we were, we were meant to meet soul to soul. And um, and that that is so true. I mean, that, that, it, because that's that's the subtext, you know, or the archetype, as you put it, you know, that the, and it, and I think the, the archetype that that I love so much, and and I think I hear a little bit coming from you too, is that this is a journey, you know, and and it's it, it's pri it, it's a prize, it's a blessing, and um and it's been and it's been given to me, and I I want to I want to nurture it as best I can, um and and celebrate it and and appreciate it. And that's why I came to you today. Mm. Wow. Oh, I just love life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. It gets better all the time. And, you know, I mean, we go through all these layers of things and we face things in our culture and in our world. We never thought we would like we're in the in the midst of a, a pandemic. But I, I just always hold the space that on the other side of it, we're going to be so much more than what we started out to be in the first place. And that's what well, you're all about. Sure. That resilience, that yeah. other unknown side, that mysterious side. On the other side mm -hmm. of it, you're going to be, no matter your age or whatever, you're going to be so much more. If that's the belief that you hold, I think it's important to hold that belief. Um, otherwise, you can very easily be herded like cattle and, um, mm -hmm. and, and play that part in not being a thinking uh, person. But it, it's very, very crucial. I'm talking with Dr. Anthony Manna. You can go to his website, anthonymanabooks.com, and just appreciate all of you being engaged in this conversation. And it's an important conversation for us to be having now. It's also an important conversation for you to share with other people. So take the time and, and pass along on your social media this show, as well as the information about uh, Dr. Anthony, because this is powerful stuff. And and this is our time in our history and in our lifetime that we really need people to know this information is out there. And you can introduce children to games and storytelling and Greek folk stories and uh, storytelling that is very healing. So, wow, we're coming to an end of our show. And in a couple of minutes, can you just leave us with some words of wisdom? Well. Oh, oh no, I can't. I can't do that. I could just say, <laughs> carry on and let's move forward together, 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 you know, and to know that there are people out there listening to this and knowing that I hope they're nodding 
you know, and 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 also nodding at this wonderful opportunity that you gave me today, um, and this whole idea of the intentional spirit, which is I've been thinking about it ever since I I saw the title of your show. I've been thinking about what is my intention today? You know, why am I here? What what are, what is my what is my spirit? What is the intentional spirit within me? And may you know, may everybody listening to this. Um, Find the courage in these very difficult times to carry on and uh, just you know keep keep praying in whatever fashion that may mean to you and um, let's let's do this together. And together's the word. I mean, talk about an awakening of really, really, really understanding that we really need yeah. each other. Oh yeah. On this incredible journey we call life, we we need each other more than we would ever realize. I I have learned something in this last month, and that is um, I really enjoy hugging. <laughs> 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 and I have really missed that. Okay, yeah. I have my my mom that lives not far from me, and. Um, you know, I've I've seen her a number of times, but I'm just being aware since I'm around so many people, you know, and I just miss hugging. So um, put that on your list, everyone, because that's part of being resilient as well, is that human touch and connection and, and that uh, wonderful power. But again, seriously, take advantage of this website, anthonymanabooks.com. And look up the various games and activities and things that that he offers and the insights because we're called now. All of us are called and we're called to make a giant step uh, towards the betterment of our society. God bless you, Anthony. We meet again. Same, same to you. Same to you, Reverend Temple. Thank you so much. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.